El Fanboy, episode 47. Francisco Robles MFR here with you, and this is the 47th edition of the El Fanboy Podcast. How is everybody doing out there? As some of you know, I uh, I wasn't doing so well myself earlier this week. I had some sort of stomach bug, and that prevented me from locking up with my Revengers cohorts on the Revengers Podcast, so we had to scrap that uh, the good news is I'm, I, I seem to be out of the woods. My stomach no longer seems to hate me. The bad news is that there's just some sort of sickness traveling its way through my home. I mean, it began last week. My wife got a little something that seemed to go away within 24 hours. But then I got the stomach bug. And then my daughter, my six-year-old, got... got I mean, I don't, we don't even know what it is yet. We had to go to the doctor yesterday and get her tested. They tested her for strep. And for the flu, and I guess we're going to find out today what it is, but she hasn't been in school since Wednesday. So her and my son are currently in the living room, and they're having a, a nice, quiet afternoon at home. Uh, and that's why I actually recorded today's news segment last night while they were asleep, so that I could maximize my time and spend some time with my sick bambina and uh, all that stuff there. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I think she's going to be just fine. So don't worry too much about her. She seems to be uh, better than she's been since Wednesday today. She's, uh, you know, she's running around with clown makeup on and bossing her little brother around. And that's before I gave her some medication. So I think Talia is going to be just fine. Um, but yeah, here we go. It's Friday. It's the closing of essentially the third week of Revenge of the Fans. And what a wild ride this continues to be. Uh, I'm loving this. I mean, the the response so far has been great. You know, the, con the, the articles are getting read and shared and people are leaving comments. And it feels like everything I write or say or tweet becomes a story. So that's interesting because it it uh it seems like uh yeah there's just for whatever reason there's eyeballs on me, there's eyeballs on the site and people I don't know any little thing I say becomes a story. So now I realize I got to be looking over my shoulder and watching what I say. Because uh granted it all, you know, it's all accurate and it's all spot on, but it just seems like any little thing becomes a headline for another site. So I just got to be mindful of that. Uh, yesterday, I wrote a thing. I wrote a, a basically you know, a revenge report, which is going to be this recurring feature where I kind of just do a long form deep dive on a particular topic. Uh, this week, it was a Justice League postmortem, and I got a lot of people talking, you know, and the funny thing is, there's nothing really new in there. If you've been following this show for a while, you've been following me for any amount of time. You know, all I really did in this was reiterate what I've been letting you know, which is that Warner Brothers, on some level, was at peace taking an L on Justice League. You know, that that's what that's the only reason that they dumped this movie into theaters on November 17th, looking the way it did, sort of half-baked the way it was, when they very easily could have delayed it into 2018 to fine-tune it and make it a better film. You know, I've been warning you guys that, like, they kind of knew, like, listen, this is as good as we're going to get it. 
and short of delaying this and, and throwing another, you know, 50 million, 100 million dollars into practically redoing the whole thing from scratch, this is as good as it gets. And you know what? Let's just get this over with because we are ready to move on to the next phase of the DCU. I've been telling you guys this since like September, but I mentioned it yesterday and now all of a sudden I'm seeing headlines everywhere about it. So, you know, it's just kind of funny to me that now it's suddenly a story, but you know what? I'm enjoying, um, I'm enjoying that RTF, that Revenge of the Fans, that I am suddenly, you know, people are paying attention to what I'm saying. Yeah, that never hurts. Uh, but, yeah, all right, so let's talk about the report a little bit, and then I'll give you a little update on, on RTF itself, because some of you responded very positively last week to my sort of update on, uh, on our own little State of the Union, so to speak. So in terms of the report, you know, th there's some additional information that I didn't include in it that I can now do, uh, now that I have the luxury of having you all to myself here in podcast land. Um... You know, Warner Brothers, one of the reasons they were able to be confident about this, one of the reasons they were able to just sort of shrug off the fact that Justice League was a, a big disappointment is the fact that they had a good year. You know, they, there were some nice big surprises from movies like Stephen King's It, where they had this huge influx of cash that kind of makes it okay that Justice League didn't exactly change the world. So, you know, they just reported their, their quarter four, you know, their, their fourth quarter earnings for the year. And right now, you know, for 2017, they had a 9% increase compared to the same quarter the year prior. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that Justice League helped boost them up. You know, these reports are coming out now that they actually had a fairly decent you know, fourth quarter, and it's because of the global box office performance of Justice League. And that's like, what? That movie didn't do that well, but yet it actually helped the studio. The studio is, you know, actually had a fairly strong year and a fairly strong quarter. And that says a lot because aside from Justice League underperforming, let's not forget King Arthur pretty much bombed. But that just goes to show you Warner Brothers is in it had a had a good 2017. And that made this issue with, with Justice League not quite that big of a priority for them. You know, they know what they don't want to repeat. They know, they, they learned their lessons, but this didn't cripple them. You know, if you look back at, you know, historically speaking, you know, in the late 90s, one of the reasons they had to pull the plug on that, that uh, Superman Lives movie with Nicolas Cage and Tim Burton was because they were having a really bad year. They were in the middle of a year or two span where there was a lot of clunkers, a lot of films that either bombed or underwhelmed, and suddenly they were like, we can't take any risks. We can't push forward with this movie because the overall state of Warner Brothers is very vulnerable and very weak at the moment. Right now, it's the opposite. Right now, they're doing so well that they can afford to take a blow every once and you know, every now and again and still push on with whatever their original plan was. So, you know, I guess, you know, if you are a fan of the current DC continuity or if you're someone who feels like all we need is a course correction, then this is a great time to be a DC fan because right now the company is successful enough that they can do a course correction as opposed to just scrapping it and throwing it out and, and starting all over again, which I know some of you would like to do because some of you are just haters. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not going to go there right now. But something else I will add some information on too that I did not include in the report was 
You know, when I say that the changes post-Justice League are very minimal, and when I say that they're not exactly panicking about what happened with that movie, I'm speaking small scale. I'm speaking in the immediate. You know, with in terms of Justice League itself, they are at peace with what happened there. But what they are not at peace with are all the decisions that led to Justice League. So on a more macro level, on a, in a big picture way, there, there's still some blood to be spilled here. There's still a head that shall roll and a further shakeup that will take place in order to make sure that this doesn't happen again. So, you know, I, I want to make sure that that's clear. That while in terms of Justice League itself, they made peace with what happened there, they are not at peace with the fact that this thing got pissed away and turned into essentially nothingness. What was supposed to be their Avengers became just, you know, a misfire. Something that they have to bounce back and recuperate from rather than ride a victory parade with. So, you know, I would not be surprised if you hear about, you know, Kevin Sujihara or someone else. You know, so, someone else is going to take the fall for this. And it's going to be because of the last four years of decision making that brought us here, not because of Justice League itself. And the last bit of intel I'll give you on this subject before we move on is that, you know, as I alluded to in the report, Warner Brothers really is paying a lot of attention to the home sales. They're really banking on that being what pushes the film over the top. They have a good feeling that this thing is going to do well on home video. That a lot of people who perhaps didn't want to give it a chance in theaters will give it a chance in, in you know, and once it arrives on Blu-ray and digital and all that sort of stuff. So keep that in mind. You know, any of you who are thinking of picking it up, any of you who are thinking of abstaining for one reason or another, just know that Warner Brothers is still keeping a very watchful eye on those home sales. You know, those home sales will loom larger. In a, for a film like Justice League than they would for your typical superhero film because they can actually make or break the film in terms of getting it to break even. Um, and also on the insider front, I got a little bit of an information dump about Batman and Ben Affleck and that whole situation. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to share it right now, not because I'm trying to tease you, but because, you know, th there's, a, there's a lot to unpack here, and it doesn't exactly, you know, it doesn't really clarify the situation. The situation is still somewhat fluid, so I, I don't want to just, you know, uh, just kick that beehive for the heck of it. I'm, gonna, I'm working on a more full-fledged Revenge Report-style deep dive on this subject, and that will be on revengeofthefans.com next week. Um, but just know, you know, I get lots of questions on the Twitter about updates on this whole thing about Batman, about Matt Reeves, about, you know, uh, Affleck and Gyllenhaal and all that sort of stuff. And just know I'm going to provide some semblance of an update next week as I finally got some fresh intel on what is a very murky and very sort of incongruous story to talk about because there's so many angles to it. And there's so many wild cards to it. It's just, you know, it's it's funny. I'm starting to come out on the other side. For a little while there, I was tired of talking about Batman and Affleck because I was writing about this stuff ad nauseum when I used to write for Latino Review, LRM. 
Um, and it, it's, it got exhausting to have to cover this subject. But now it's starting to become fun again because I feel like, you know, now we're, we're on the other side of it and there could be some really exciting things to share. And, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm working on some stuff, so keep an eye on the site. Uh, while we're talking about the site, you know, I just want to point out that right now, it's being handled primarily as a labor of love. You know, myself and John are funding everything out of pocket. Uh, we're not making any money. And everyone who's working on it with us, our, our staff of writers and contributors, they're all doing it on a voluntary basis, you know, and that's, first of all, that's beautiful. And it's very sort of touching and amazing to me that whenever I reach out to someone and say, Hey, you want to join the team? They instantly go, yes. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. I'm building something really special here. But by that same token, since it is just like a labor of love, you know, that can make it kind of hard to make a steady workflow and to, and to, Make sure you guys have enough content and that the site is performing on all cylinders. Because basically the way it works is, aside from a couple of us full-timers, everyone else can kind of just drop in and drop out whenever they have availability to contribute, which is fine. You know, we're, everyone's volunteering and it's a team effort and it's beautiful. But that's what makes the funding so important. That's what makes things like Patreon so important. And that's why we're going to start trying to find ways to monetize the site and anything you can do to support. You know, if you go to patreon.com slash revenge of the fans, you know, the sooner this thing can start making some money, the sooner I can start paying a dedicated staff. And that means the sooner we start having more news stories, more daily editorials, more video content, more podcast content, because I really want to give you guys everything. I want this place to be the mecca for, for geeks and fanboys and fangirls around the world. I really have sky-high uh, ambitions for this thing. And, you know, the first step in doing that is having a dedicated staff who has a shift, who has, you know, commitments that they're going to meet every day. And I can't really lock anyone down to do that if I can't pay them. So uh, really consider becoming part of the Patreon and, and, and helping us crowdfund this thing because we're here for you. We want to be a voice for the fans. We want to be a sounding board for you. That's why we post reader vlogs and reader columns and we encourage you to interact with us on the podcast and send in topics and interact with us in the comments of the articles. We want this site to live and breathe with you to be a part of your daily routine. And, you know, we... we at some point, we're going to have to start trying to make a little moolah to make that happen. So if you haven't yet and you're thinking about it, you're on the fence, please, please, please consider going to patreon.com and, and, and kicking in a monthly donation to kind of help us meet the costs and maybe start actually getting to pay people so that the site could have even more to offer you than it does. Because right now, we've been offering you plenty. But it's kind of with our, uh, you know, we're kind of winging it as we go, trying to do our best to, you know, uh, spin all kinds of plates at the same time. It ain't easy. And sometimes I have to remind myself that this thing only just started. We're only three weeks in. So, you know, it's going to take some time, I guess, to get this thing up and running and, 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 and firing on all cylinders. Uh, and I guess just sometimes I have a tendency to get impatient. And I'm like, no, I want to rule the world and I want to rule it now. But, um... You know, 
slow and steady wins the race, but just please uh, do consider supporting the site because, uh, you know, it's a labor of love and we appreciate anything you can do to uh, help things run smoother. But okay, so that was your uh, Revenge of the Fans update for this week. Um, trying to think before we get into the news, because I am going to do a more traditional news segment like I used to do. You know, I uh, for the last couple weeks, I've been doing a weekend forecast because the news segment has become the Revengers podcast. But since we, we didn't get to do a Revengers this week, uh, I have... I've got you know, someone coming along to help me with the new segment, and it's going to be a nice long-form discussion of this week's top stories. Um, but before we do, let's see, what have I been watching? What have I been doing? Uh, I started a new show this week, and it is, I'm sorry, Aaron, I'm sorry, guys, it's not This Is Us. I keep getting suggested to watch This Is Us. I swear it's been like, a, like a six or seven months now that... People have been pleading with me to start watching that show, and it's not that one, and it's nothing against it. I know that there's an NBC app, and I could stream it, and I can catch up on it. Right now, the big hurdle is when my wife and I sit down at the end of the night to watch something, she usually wants it to be something that's diverting, something that'll make us laugh, something that'll help us unwind at the end of a very long day. Remember, she's a school teacher in the Bronx. She teaches special ed. She has a very hectic, very stressful day every day of the week. Um, so the idea of seeing a show that we keep hearing is so heavy. Where, oh, dude, you're going to cry. Everyone always warns us, like, this thing is going to break your heart into a million pieces uh, you know, it, it's just not that appealing. I, we're both positive that it's an amazing show, and it is on the to-do list, I promise you. But for now, whenever we're, we're mulling over a new show to kind of work into the rotation, it tends to be something that makes us laugh, that kind of takes us away. So this week, we began, finally, uh, Netflix's Glow. And I got to tell you, I'm happy we did. It's a very good series. You know, the buzz around it uh, seems very well warranted. I think uh, I, I can see now why everyone's raving about it. The lead performances are great. The writing's great. It's always fun to see Mark Marin, And he's kind of like riffing on, on kind of what we know about him and sort of amplifying. It feels like he's playing a version of himself. And that's kind of fun to watch. But, um, you know, Alison Brie, I think that's her name, she's phenomenal in this. And now I, I, I liked her in Mad Men, but I know that you know, people love her from another series I never watched, Community. And now I'm starting to see the full range of what she can do. And I'm like, oh, I get it. The hype is real. Um, and yeah, just in general, it, it's, it's well written. It's, uh, it's, I, I love a good period piece and it's set there in the 80s. So it's got a great uh, soundtrack and all that sort of good stuff. And yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm all in on Glow. And aside from that, not too much. I mean, I've been reading Ready Player One, which I cannot wait to see what Steven Spielberg does with that because that book is awesome so far. I'm like on in the eighth chapter at this point. Um, and I've been playing some video games. I've been, you know, I, I finally check out Zelda again. I've been playing Call of Duty um, but that's kind of it. That is kind of it. So you know what? It is time to get into this week's news, and I will not be alone. All 
All right, guys, since I couldn't get you a proper The Revengers podcast episode this week because of my stupid stomach, I promised you I'd make it up to you here on El Fanboy this week, and I'm living up to that promise, because right now, right here with me is my partner, one of my partners from The Revengers podcast, Mr. Brett Miro. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure to have you, Bretison. How have you been? Uh, I'm well, I'm well. Have you, uh, was the wait arduous? I know I kept you hanging. There were a couple nights we were going to record, and I just bailed it, like, with ten minutes left. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> did, did, are, do you have a whole, like, podcast, uh, I don't know, are, are you all pent up and ready to pod? I, I'm ready to pod. I am, I am pod ready. Then let's pod the hell out of this. Our lead story this week concerns the latest comments from Mr. Kevin Feige regarding bringing the X-Men into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Brett, why don't you read the quote about uh, all that? Yeah, so uh, at a, so in our article we have um, at a press junket for Black Panther, uh, so Feige was asked uh, regarding that subject, what's going on with the X-Men, basically? And uh, his quote is, the truth of the matter, as I understand it, is the deal has to be figured out. There's been no communication. We're not thinking about it. We're focusing on everything we've already announced. If and when the deal actually happens, we'll start to think more about it. Until then, we have a lot to do. It would be years away. We've announced everything through 2019, so none of those would be adjusted. Yes, none of those would be adjusted. So that means that Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, Avengers 4, whatever that ends up getting called, and the next Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland, none of those are going to have any sort of X-Men teases or anything whatsoever, according to Feige here. Um, you know, I know some people were probably looking forward to that, maybe thinking maybe they could like somehow squeeze like a post-credit sequence into the next Avengers or, or maybe even like a storm tease in the Black Panther somehow. Yeah, I heard all kinds of crazy people were just praying for something to happen sooner, you know, but uh, it's not going to happen, according to Mr. Feige. What do you think, Brett? I mean, honestly, I'm I'm fine with it. Um, the only thing is like, uh, yes, do I, I think everybody would agree. They want to see Hugh Jackman just appear alongside like the current cast of Avengers. <laughs> I totally would love to see him as Wolverine. Like, so don't get me wrong, but at the same time, like this X-Men franchise has actually been running for a pretty long time. Like, and you know, even though they like kind of rebooted it with first class and then totally just like then blended them together and like unrebooted it <laughs> basically like it, it's been going for a long time it, it could use a reset i think i mean the the timeline is a mess um and then just to kind of like you know i guess start randomly start popping them into movies now i feel like you'd end up with like an iron man 2 situation where like now these movies are all getting bogged down trying to just build setups for like you know the next big tentpole you know uh yeah. come together movie so i i just i get nervous if you're gonna start shoehorning them in so i'm like you know what take your time and i think they probably should reboot uh, we know probably a lot of the actors that are currently in some of these Marvel film roles, um, aside from like the newer cast ones like Brie Larson and, and probably like Benedict Cumberbatch, stuff like that, who have only been like a movie in. A lot of those other guys like uh, Evans and Downey, um, even Hemsworth, you know, I, I could see them maybe stepping away. Um, a lot of them have hinted that that, you know, but I don't know, they might come back for that sweet Marvel money. So, <laughs> um, you yeah. know, so I don't know. I think they're going to leave anyway where you're going to probably have to start casting new actors. 
in the roles, almost like a James Bond kind of thing, or like, you know, how they used to do the, uh, you know, earlier Batman films. It was like the same Batman with just different actors. We just acknowledged, you know, just basically accepted it. Yeah. Like, it, that's a good time when you they have to recast those roles to probably start ushering in, you know, the X-Men. Because to just start sticking them in now, and like, they've just never been acknowledged by one another that there's mutant exists. It's just like, it would just be messy and so shoehorned in, you know? Yeah, but, yeah... Yeah, but then, but then almost, then what, he, what you're saying makes sense. That if it, we can't have it like the mutants have been here all along and now they're only just showing up. But that could like lend credence to the idea of what if we do try to do like through some sort of interdimensional wormhole of an alternate reality, bring the other continuity in, doing one of those very comic booky type things with like the multiverse. You right, know, right. And like, wouldn't I, that then explain, like, all oh, the mutants weren't here? Because that was a whole other, you know, version of the Earth where this happened. And now these mutants are making their way into the, our world. They could do that. Or, like, you know, you know, maybe in Avengers 4, Thanos does something and it, you know, causes, like, basically Marvel did that when they had the Ultimate Universes and the regular universes collide recently in the comics. Like, when the last couple of years, they did that little like, kind of reboot thing. Um, I mean, they could do that in the movies, right? I guess, you know, kind of what you're saying. It depends on how geeky they want to get, but I think they could. See, for me, the bigger thing, which is a little less of a geeky thing, uh, in terms of reasoning, is I really wonder what's going to happen if the X-Men Dark Phoenix is a huge hit. And suddenly everyone's excited about the X-Men again. They're excited about this version of the X-Men again with James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender and Jennifer Lawrence. You know, what happens then if the X-Men are suddenly beautifully rejuvenated and they rise from the ashes like the Phoenix? You know, the franchise itself comes out of this little slump it's been in since Apocalypse. What do you do if you're Marvel Studios? What do you do if you're Disney? Do you look at this now thriving hot property and still just go, man, we're going to reboot you? Or do you reconsider and do you go, okay, you know, we should try to get this version of them into our world somehow? Yeah, well, I think, you know, basically what you just said, you kind of nailed it. I think it depends what this movie does. Um, if this movie does become a hit for them, because like, I know obviously like a lot of people were very high on days of future past. I personally wasn't. Um, I actually skipped apocalypse altogether. I didn't see it. Um, and I heard that one was kind of like meh. And then, you know, so if this one comes uh, back on an upswing, um, but I think it needs to be better than days of future past. It needs to be like Logan good. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So if it gets there, then yeah, I think Marvel says, Hey, let's just, open the weird parallel dimension wormhole and, and jam them together. I think it does that. But if, you know, if this kind of does lukewarm again, I think that's just an easy right there. I think it's dead in the water as is, you know what I mean? You can have two lukewarm films and all that money spent and like, you know, the cast are getting bigger. I think you, you cut your losses, yeah. you wait till this deal goes through and then you, you know, have Marvel, you know, work their magic. You know, I think that's exactly right. If this movie is a hit, then that's why you consider all this stuff. If it's not, then that's it. You're done. There's no more. The, this Dark Phoenix will just be the end of the series, you know, of that continuity. Because the thing, but you know, so the, the, I'm actually rather optimistic about this 
you know, some people want to crap on. I mean, first of all, this franchise, I guess it's just, you know, you said it's been around a while. It's been around almost 20 years. And when you're around that long, people just get tired of you. And there's always that, that backlash. And right now, I feel like it's very popular to crap on Fox's X-Men movies. Everyone. Suddenly, right. people m act like X2 wasn't amazing. You know, suddenly, everyone just, er people just, they, they forget about what how awesome First Class was. If people just forget and it's like, all right, let's all just dump on these X-Men movies. But, you know, I think I think this will be the end if if this if if Dark Phoenix doesn't pull it off. But what I was getting at, sorry, is that I think Simon Kinberg is a wild card here. I've liked some of what he's written. I like that he's been a producer on the series and he seems to have like you know, I, I, I've had conversations with him. He's seen the good ones and the bad ones. He's probably. seen the good ones both. and the bad both. ones. Yeah, he's made both for better or worse. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, he at this point, he may know exactly what it takes to get this thing going. I and mean, the, the fact that he hired Hans Zimmer to score it, the fact that he's trying to make this truer to the books, and because, you know, the early X-Men films were like, they very loosely referenced real X-Men stuff. Now right. they're trying to go really like this is the the adaptation of the X-Men that you know and love. You know, I have a feeling Dark Phoenix could end up being a big win. I, everyone's sleeping on it. Right now it's popular to just shrug off the X-Men franchise. But I, I just have this feeling that we're going to be very pleasantly surprised by Dark Phoenix. Well, I mean, it's it it's an awesome story. Like the source material is is awesome. You know, what I mean, so just that you know alone is like yeah. But I mean, hey, listen, we've seen people like mess stuff like that up before. But I mean, I I remain like cautiously optimistic. You know, it is like you said, Simon Kimberg's first time directing now on after you know all the experience he's had, you know, producing and everything and writing. Um, I think that's good. It, might, it kind of brings you know some in a way, even though he's been there a while, fresh blood. You know, to the directing seat at least. And, you know, if, if he is going to stick to the comics and they, they really pull off a good script. See, you, you, you know, as I say this, the I'm also thinking, like, that's also going to can create the most backlash because if they don't like the way you adapted it as that being such a, you know, classic storyline, then you also have that to worry about. But, you know, whatever. It's it's neither here nor there. Right. Like someone's always going to have a problem. It's never going to please everybody. So um, you just need to please as many people as possible. And are, are you going to be are, – are you sad to know that that there won't be any kinds of teasers or anything between, you know, like at the end of Avengers? Oh, for, for um, like X-Men yeah. coming in or anything? Uh, nah, I'm not upset about that. I mean, I, I mean I mean I've been used to so long this stuff being, you know, apart, you know, anyway. So like I'm not just going to get upset now that like, oh, now there's not. And, and this deal – this deal's not done also, the Fox. It, yeah. I mean it, it's going to happen. Like I, I think it's – going to happen it's just like the whole transition period it's going to take at least i think till the end of the year they say right so mm -hmm. we're looking at like the fall or winter that they actually take over so i don't know uh it just gives you something to look forward to you know moving down the line but like like we said at the beginning you know kind of come full circle uh they got stuff planned out for a while <laughs> you know they have yep. like the next six seven films already so i mean we got stuff coming you know there's plenty yeah. on the pipeline uh, well speaking of things that are coming uh, like Black Panther is coming down, and I I can't believe the hype around this movie. Like it's taken me by surprise. Have you have you yeah. gotten a load of all this? Yeah, I've checked all that out. Um, I am I I'm in the same shoes as you. I'm like so surprised. I was like, wow, I can't believe like, 
you know, not that I didn't think it was going to be good, but like, I was like, wow, I can't believe like people are really like really taking to it. Um, and that's just, that's just awesome and exciting for like a lot of reasons. Yeah. Like, um, because for me, like yeah. I thought like my expectations for this, I have always thought of Black Panther as on like the Doctor Strange tier of heroes in terms of popularity, in terms of importance right. to the overall MCU. You know, I feel like like I didn't grow up on Black Panther. To me, he's a sort of obscure character. I just, you know, I, I know the, all, my only exposure to him is through Captain America Civil War. Beyond that, I couldn't tell you who or what Black Panther really is. Yeah. So, and I... And I just kind of, like, for me, Doctor Strange was sort of the bar. And Doctor Strange opened to $85 million. And to hear for, to hear that right now that certain circles think that it could actually beat Deadpool's February record of $151 million is like, whoa! You know, yeah. this thing is on fire. And I just, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be that surprised. Marvel likes to pull out these, you know, the, the, they know how to make hits and they know how to market their movies and when to release them. And I guess, you know, releasing Black Panther during Black History Month is a, probably a stroke of genius. Oh, but, yeah, they, like they timed everything perfectly. I mean. And I just, <laughs> like, this thing looks like it's going to be a runaway train. And then some of these responses, you know, you wrote, you covered it on the site. Some of these tweets, some of the, what people are saying, it's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it certainly put it like, you know, the hype up for me on it. Cause I was like, you know, I was kind of just, you know, like most Marvel movies now. Cause again, I, the superhero formula is like really starting to get a little stale for me here and there. Uh, as much as I still love this stuff and I'm still going to see all the stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it that was kind of just like lukewarm. I was like, all right, cool, you know, new Marvel movie. I'll definitely check it out. It's connected. I check all of them out, you know. But now I'm really like, wow, I probably need to get there like as soon as possible, like right away that opening weekend, and maybe check this out because it's it's got me excited now. And it just, really just, seems to yeah. kind of fly in the face of a lot of the usual critiques Marvel gets. So you know, what's one of the big ones? People always say that the Marvel movies have, have terrible problem. villains. Yeah, yep. and by according to all kinds of tweets I'm seeing from people who've seen the film so far, Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger is perhaps the single best villain in the entire franchise. Which I guess isn't that hard to do, but I keep hearing that he brings the goods in a huge way, or the bad, I should say. You know, in terms yeah. of his performance, <laughs> the way the thing is written. Apparently, Black Panther has, like, the definitive Marvel villain in it all of a sudden. Um, and also, I've been reading that it, it really feels like they let Ryan Coogler make the movie he wanted to make with the themes he wanted to explore. And, you know, that that flies in the face of the critiques that Marvel movies are all very cookie-cutter and the directors don't really get to, you know, flex their muscles at all because Kevin Feige's breathing down their neck. You know, that's the perception and right. the early buzz on, on Black Panther is that both of those things go right out the window because it's got an epic villain and a visionary director who actually got to be visionary. So right. that's exciting. Um, well, that's the way to that's just that's the way to go. That is the way to go. You know, I, everyone needs to be taking notes. You know, this is why they're succeeding, too, is that they're like, you know, getting these like yeah these like auteurs you know to like go and like put their stamp on it and, 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 and getting and really exciting things you know yeah i mean taika waititi also came out of you know the indie world and and they took a gamble on him and he made for ragnarok utterly his own you know oh, and yeah. it, it seems like you know they're 
that they're finally getting to a place in the MCU where they're so comfortable now after 10 years of like nothing but hits. God, we sound like a promo for them. And meanwhile, I'm not even that crazy about them. But anyway, right. you know, after 10 years of nothing but hits, now is when they're kind of like, okay, now we can kind of you know loosen the grip a little bit. Now we can be a little risky because we've done we've laid down all of this groundwork. All yeah, so we've of got this people goodwill. invested. Yeah, people you know? they see that Marvel people are here logo. now. They know us. Now we can start running away with it. And I'm like, that's that's smart. I mean, like, and if, if anyone, you know, if DC's looking at anything Marvel's doing, you know, or you know, they said we can't be like Marvel, well, you know, you don't need to be like Marvel, but like they're doing some things right that you should definitely look at. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like they are moving in that direction now anyway uh, to having more like, you know, uh, filmmaker driven films, you know, and let that, that person come in and, and shape and craft the yeah. movie. So yeah. that's that, that's exciting. That is very, very exciting. And you know what else I'm excited about? We're going to get a Venom trailer in the next couple of weeks, it sounds like, Bretterson. Yeah, I love the announcements that there's going to be a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where like it wasn't really announced, but people like to analyze everything. And the fact that the trailer has been certified, it's been given its classification rating at by the Manitoba Film Classification Board, that tends to mean that it's going to be arriving within the next couple of weeks because that's usually at what stage in the process that classification occurs. Right. So right now it's a lot of tea leaf reading. No one's actually announced it yet, so I guess we can't get too too excited. But if that happens, I mean, I I don't know. I'm I I, I don't know how to feel about this movie, Brett. I really don't because yeah. on the one hand, I love me some Venom. I love me some Tom Hardy, and I'm a big fan of Ru Ruben Fleischer. You know, I love Zombieland, and I think he's awesome. So there's so much that I love about the film. But then there's still this whole weird thing about whether or not it's in the MCU. Are we actually going to get that rumored Tom Holland, Peter Parker appearance that does tie it all together? Or are we dealing with a Venom movie that exists in a world where there is no Spider-Man? Because to me, that would make no sense. And it's very, very frustrating. So I don't know how to feel about this movie. How do you feel about this movie, Brett? I think I, I think uh, I agree with you <laughs> really on all that. Like I like all those three things together. I'm like, cool, Venom, awesome. I'm Tom Hardy, sweet. Yeah. And then, like Ruben Fleischer, great. I'm like, this is all really good. You know, but exactly like if they they can't do this without Spider-Man being a part of the universe because like the only reason the symbiote has those powers is because like it absorbed them from Spider-Man from spending time with him. And like that's just something you can't change. Like, you know, I don't you don't have to be like a slave to comics and storylines, but you don't change that. Like that's just silly. So, yeah, Tom Holland better show up and then maybe maybe Venom will be the villain in Spider-Man 2 in the MCU. Maybe they actually are going to do that and they're going to borrow that character also. That would be my ideal situation. Um, but I, yeah, I, I just don't know. And I, I feel like I remember it being announced and casting Tom Hardy. And then like, I feel like I didn't even know it was filming, but then like I saw it was like filming wrapped and I was like, Oh, they shot this movie already. Like, yeah, they're and, going really And like fast. nothing's leaked yet either. Like as far as like images of venom or anything, which I think that's cool that we haven't seen it yet. And, well, like, I mean, I, <clears throat> in, in fairness, they can't because it's going to be all CG'd on top of him. You know, he's not in a costume. Yeah, but they might have like concept stuff already. So I'm not like, not like yeah. really set photos, obviously, but like. Yeah, 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 that's true. I mean. it's like, we know, is he doing motion capture or it's yeah, all Yeah, he's doing, he's doing mocap. He's doing oh, mocap. Oh God, thank he, God. Yeah. 
Um, but I'm still I'm still nervous because uh, the, the rumor that it's going to be like you know the the multiple symbiotes. Um, yeah. Like, is this just going to be like a CG symbiote fest, just like wet tar being flung everywhere in different colors? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they better get those effects down amazingly. If there's going to be multiple symbiotes, and that's going to be like the bulk of the third act, I assume. Because if it looks like a bunch of, you know, Twizzlers wrestling with one another, I'm, right. I'm going to tune out. So they better. Melted, <laughs> melted Twizzlers and licorice. <laughs> and polio string cheese. Yeah, because isn't there like yeah. a white one also? Because if, if that's what I see, I'm going to, I'm going to like. Just I'm out of here. Yeah. I'm out of here. Um, all right. So, like, w- while we're on the subject of trailers and movies that we're nervous about, uh, it looks like we might finally get a trailer for Solo, a Star Wars story, Brett. Oh. My goodness. I know. Apparently, Mr. Ron Howard took to the Twitter, and uh, he sent out a tweet. He was flying somewhere, and he took a picture of the beautiful landscape, and it says, Midway through a long flight, back in the solo editing rooms now. By the way, who's going to win Super Bowl 2018? So yeah. that's got everyone thinking, ah, yeah, that's such a weird non sequitur to suddenly just bring up the Super Bowl as a by the way. So everyone's thinking, that's their game. That's what they're going to do. They're going to go big. You know, they showed the trailer for episode eight during Monday Night Football. They're going to get right. the trailer for Solo at the Super Bowl. So I don't know. What, are you excited to finally lay eyes upon this m- thing? <laughs> this thing, this entity. Um, yeah, you know what? And I know, like, when we were on the Revengers, I think, I mean, in the first episode, like, I know you how you feel about it, and I'm sure, like, all your listeners do. Um, and I know I was being a little negative on it, too. I mean, like, yeah, I am. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I don't mean to, like, hate on the film. Like, I hope it's good. I don't want it to be bad. I don't want to see a bad Star Wars movie. You know what I mean? I love Star Wars. I love yeah. this stuff. I, and, you know, despite the fact that, like, I'm like, I don't know if this was the movie we needed out of these original, like, anthology films and stuff. But, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I want to see it. And, hey, you know what? I, mean, I feel like they must feel confident if they want to, like, blast it out in front of, like, everybody at the Super Bowl. So they must yeah. feel pretty good. Otherwise, they would have just released it online. You know what I mean? So, hey, let's, uh, let's, see, what, let's see what it's got. And then we can have a lot more to say finally because, like, we, have, we don't know anything about this movie. We yeah. haven't seen anything. So it's Nothing. just like – I don't even know what else more to say, and that's why I don't want to keep hating on it. Um, Yes, I'm definitely like, you know, I feel weird about it and and uneasy, but um, I also, you know, I'm hoping they're not going to dump like total shit, you know, into our laps, (laughs) you know, so – so, hey, I uh, hope it's great. <laughs> well, you know what? I actually did my own little focus group. I uh, Because, you know, I you, my, my feelings at this point are very, very well known. Hashtag NOLO. Sorry, Double. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. It's not going to happen. But I did do a focus group because, you know, I had this theory that most people are going to shrug when they hear about this movie. Because, okay, it's Han Solo, but there's no Harrison Ford. And was there really any juice for a Han Solo movie where there's no Harrison Ford? So that's been like my hunch, my theory, my whatever. So I'm having breakfast with my father the other day at the diner. And I know he's a, you know, he, I, he's been a big Star Wars person over the years, but he's also sort of way outside of the geek bubble. So he's not like a hardcore guy who's following the websites and knows all the ins and outs of the movies. 
So I'm like, I wonder, I'm going to spring this on him and see how he feels. Because he had no idea that Han Solo, that there was a Han Solo movie coming. It's January, and he has no, when we had this breakfast, it was, it was January, and he had no idea that there was a Han Solo movie coming in May. So I let him know, yeah, Dad, uh, there's going to be a Han Solo movie coming out this May. It's about a young sort of 20-something Han Solo played by some guy named Alden Ehrenreich. You know, Harrison Ford's not going to do it. How do you feel about that, Pop? And he thought about it for a second, and he said, well, I, I've got to see that. And I was like, Whoa. So really? Goes, yeah, exactly. That's how I felt. I thought he was going to shrug and be like, oh, why would they do that? He instantly just went, I've got to go see that. So now I'm like, now I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's going to play really well at the Super Bowl. And all of a sudden, there is going to be this huge groundswell of interest. And they're going to pull out a big surprise here. Maybe I've had it all wrong. But I just... I I have a hard time seeing where there's an audience for this film to begin with. And after all the trials and tribulations that have gone on with losing Lord and Miller and bringing on Ron Howard and all the you know, stories about behind the scenes, the types of battles that were taking place, you know, if, like, if they can pull this off, I will be, uh, I'll be, I'll be genuinely shocked. Right. And then, and then, the conversation will turn to like, what magic do they do in the editing room to make this movie, this disaster look good? You know what I mean? Like the whole conversation will change and they'll start nitpicking some other thing yeah. to explain like why, <laughs> you know, like, and, well, and, it was really terrible and they edited it to, to good shape. <laughs> and by the way, guys, I think the one thing that would convert my hashtag NOLO into a YOLO or a solo, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> is if my dad, if my old man says, hey, son, let's go see Solo together, then you bet your sweet ass that there will be no more NOLO. I will be there immediately. Not to get over <laughs> and sappy with you, but, you know, that's just, that would definitely break that, uh, that hardline stance I have about this film. But, um... All right, so let's move on to our next story, Brett. I wanted to touch on the fact that there's a rumor going around that comes from a very reputable reporter from Variety, Justin Kroll. He says that Roman Polanski, as a character, will feature very importantly in Quentin Tarantino's next movie. And I'm like, what? This is like I. This is this is weird. This is Tarantino, who's you know Hollywood royalty, making a film where he may throw other Hollywood royalty who maybe shouldn't be royalty anymore. Honestly, right? Uh, like I'm just. Is he gonna throw him under the bus? Is he gonna? Is he gonna maybe excuse him and be one of the like Hollywood apologists of Polanski? I, I mean, to me, this is just this is so Tarantino, and in general, I'm so much I'm so interested in this movie, no matter which angle we look at it from. But let's just first, what do you think of the Polanski being involved? Well, I mean, I think he's going to factor into the story, uh, obviously, just because it, it seems to be focusing around like Hollywood and stuff going on in 1969. But I don't think like any of his scandalous stuff is really going to factor into his portrayal or like into the story. 
Um, obviously, other than like Sharon Tate, his uh, you know wife uh, who was uh, murdered uh, by Charles Manson, being that Charles Manson seems to be a pretty uh, or the Manson murders seem to be kind of a central focal point. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that part will be involved. But I, yeah, I don't think any of the stuff with like um, you know the 13 year old that he had like sexually assaulted or molested or whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't think that's going to really factor in. He'll just kind of probably be there for See, a couple I, of little. I scenes. guess it all comes <laughs> down to. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing it comes down to how much Tarantino likes Polanski, because <laughs> yeah, he's got that acid tongue of his of his, and he knows how to like you know use words to cripple you. I almost you know if if for whatever reason Polanski was on his shit list, I have a feeling that he would have a field day with that character in the movie. So I guess you know it, it comes down to whether or not Quentin likes the guy. I think. Um, now, in terms of your interest in the movie itself. I mean, where are you at? It sounds like it's going to be insane. And with this cast, with potentially Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise joining in, like, what's your interest level at, Brett? Oh, I'm, I'm all in. It's Tarantino. Um, assembling, sounds like they're already assembling amazing cast. It's like a really, you know, just interesting, you know, uh, you know, time period to set, you know, set the film in and like focus on all the stuff going around. You know, obviously way before my time. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I think it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm all in, you know, it's going to be just, just crazy. <laughs> it's definitely going to be crazy. And by the way, I still, I'm waiting for the, for the accusations against Tarantino to come. Aren't, doesn't he just seem like the type of guy who women I was in Hollywood would have stories about? <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, how has he not like, Said or done anything creepy because, like, he creeps me out when I like watch him in interviews. <laughs> I'm looking at a picture like, of him right now and I can't yeah. look at it straight in the eyes. It fre- freaks me out. Like, I mean, every- he's also well known for having like a like a big foot fetish. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's like, why he always closes up on Uma Thurman's toes and every possible even movie she's not in. Just somehow there's always a close up <laughs> of, of her toes. I don't know how he pulls. He that comes into like Scorsese movies and he's like, "Hey, let me get a couple of shots of someone's toes here." <laughs> So, yeah, no, he creeps me out. So every time I see his face, I kind of flinch a little bit. Like when I'm like scrolling through my feed, like, oh, here it is. Oh, no, this is about the fact that uh, William Shatner would do this, the Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie. Cool. And I'm scrolling. Oh, no, here it is. Oh, no, no. We're talking about, you know, the fact that he's making a movie with Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise. So I'm just waiting for it. It's going to happen any day now. But I guess until then, uh, let's 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 enjoy his movies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> moving right along into our next topico, and Brett, I'm going to want you to take the lead on this one. I'm going to want you to g- give us everything you got about the fact that there's going to be a Nintendo Super Mario Brothers movie coming from Illumination. What do you think about that, Brett? So I am very, very, very excited. Um, something that I talk about a lot. Um, obviously not in any public forum, but something that I've been talking about for years. To yourself is, when you're driving? Yeah, it's just talking to myself <laughs> in my head. Um, I've been waiting for the what I call the Disneyfication of Nintendo. Um, they have one of the most recognizable uh, you know, IP and characters in the world. Like I had read a fact that actually Mario was more recognizable worldwide than Mickey Mouse Um you know what I mean? And I mean, what? especially now, Mickey Mouse is very much faded into the background. But this, was, I read true. this fact in like the 90s when Disney was still, Mickey Mouse was still pretty, you know, yeah. you know, big. Um, so, yeah, that that's actually pretty wild if you think about it. So I'm just waiting. I'm like, they have this cast of characters and, you know, they're, you know, making, you know, obviously, you know, video game systems. And, and they're, you know, a, kind of, they're effectively, a, Nintendo's a toy company, really. Um, 
but you know they're they're doing all that, and I'm like, why are they not like making more merchandise with these characters or like creating TV shows and, and movies? And then you know then you look back at the 1993 Super Mario Brothers movie with Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo, and then you realize why Nintendo hasn't done that. Um, they were apparently very very burned. Uh, by that movie, they they let the license, and then like the studio that put it together, I don't even know who it was. They it was like a disaster, you know. There's like so many stories you read on the internet about that. So after that, they they basically like tightened up. They went, they clammed everything shut, and they were like, we are not letting anyone touch our characters or our IP. Um, you know, we have to have full control. And they're finally uh, starting to branch out, do that now. Like you're seeing more Nintendo merchandise. Um, and then you know, it was I think only a matter of time before like the animation's so good now. Nintendo's own animation is, is phenomenal in the like, recent Mario games. Um, they look really, really awesome. So, you know, Illumination, uh, you know, you'll get – I put a little uh, in the article I posted today, you know, reporting the news. Um, I put a little my spin and take on it. They do beautiful animation. Um, their movies are not like maybe the most amazing things, you know, and stuff like that. But um, Nintendo is going to be guiding this one. Shigeru Miyamoto, the creator of Mario, and he's like, you know – head creative fellow at Nintendo. Um, he's going, is co-producing the movie. So I know that he's going to be very involved, um, with this film and they're not going to let like garbage go out the door. Nintendo is like very strict on quality control. They do not want to damage their IP. So, yeah. And I, um, I mean, let's see, I, I have like mixed reactions to the fact that it's illumination. Like I know that it's, it was, it was always going to be pie in the sky, but at some point, I was thinking I would love to see a Pixar Nintendo movie because I feel like they would totally nail it. But, oh, you know, yeah. right? Can you imagine a Pixar? I, I, I couldn't believe Disney, like Disney, Nintendo's actually been on record. Like they they uh, admire Disney as a company. Like you can see like the Disney DNA in Nintendo. Like that is undeniable. It's like one of the best comparisons you can make, I think, in my opinion. I agree. Um, I know Disney's like a probably even bigger, more bigger company than Nintendo. But um, it, the DNA is there, you know, and you can see they modeled their their stance and, you know, theme parks are coming out, Universal Studios with Nintendo stuff, um, which I'm super excited about, too. So, like, you see, it, it's all there. It's, it's just the start of something so big uh, for, for Nintendo now. Yeah, um, I just, but, you know, so, but, like, but like I am mixed because I wish it was Pixar, but then I look at Illumination and while Despicable Me 3 put me to sleep, literally, and I never fall asleep in movies, I did really like The Secret Life of Pets, and I really loved Sing. And, you know, those movies show that, like, they can do humor that kind of works on multiple levels, and they can have some heart and emotion. You know, there was stuff there in Sing that got me all... <laughs> so, um, by the way, I see you snuck in a jab at me in this article, Brett. <laughs> you had to mention that the 1993 Super Mario Brothers movie scarred me for life. You know, I got a lot of crap about that on on the Twitter. Um, I know. <laughs> listen, I figured, people, it was worth mentioning it one more time. I, I, I need I need to understand what the tears were for. I I said on on the Revengers episode two last week that I cried when when Toad was set on fire. What I didn't, <laughs> what I forgot to mention was I wasn't sad like, oh, the movie made me sad and they killed my toad. No, I was sad. Like, why would they do this? 
Like, <laughs> I swear. It was like, just such a random act of violence. <laughs> exactly. Like, I was just saying, like, what? who thought? That, I guess even back then, I still had my fanboy rage, even though I was 10. I'm like, who okayed this? Who thought, oh, you know what we should do? We should take one of the core characters in the Super Mario mythology, turn him into a weird lizard man, and set him on fire in the movie. Like I was, I was upset and outraged that anyone thought this was a good idea. Let's let a human being on fire. <laughs> like, it's a great idea. It's, it's awesome. Kids will love it. So, like, that's what I was crying. I was crying for good taste. I was crying about decision making. I wasn't crying because I was sad that Toad was dying. All right, <laughs> I just had to clarify that. But I uh, digress. Uh, I, you know, I'm excited to hear there's going to be a Super Mario Brothers movie. I'm sure it's going to be a step up from the Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo movie. Yes, and I can will. only imagine that Toad will not end up on fire in this one. <laughs> no, I do not think that Nintendo will allow that. Like I said, they are, they are so protective, um, which like, that's the only thing that's giving me. Uh, making me feel better about it. Otherwise, I'd probably be in the same boat as you. Yeah. But I, I think Nintendo understands their characters. And I mean, uh, you know, kind of, they're a video game company. Mario's a video game character. You go back, um, especially in the recent years, um, and uh, I'm, I'm probably going to write like a, I'm definitely going to write a, a big feature for the site, uh, kind of examining a lot of this stuff. So I want to go too in depth here. Um, I want to do that. But. The recent like Mario um, titles, like the mainline Mario titles, um, and especially like the little Mario RPGs that have been released. Um, there's like the Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga series, which is like three or four games in that, um, and then also Paper Mario. Uh, the the Nintendo's own localization team, which is you know the ones who take all the Japanese dialogue and and you know rewrite it for an American audience. Uh, it's called the Nintendo Treehouse. They have an amazing crew there because their localization on some of those recent Mario games has really been phenomenal. And, you know, the mainline Mario games is just like, hey, Princess Peach got captured, you know, go save her. There's not much story. Miyamoto famously hates story in Mario games. He's like, let's just get you guys playing the game. You know, here's the setup. Yeah. Go play. Um, but the RPGs, being that they're role-playing games, they have to have a story. They're like 20, 30-hour games. So they've actually done some very creative stuff and created some really interesting characters that are, you know, exist outside of the Mushroom Kingdom. So I'm, I'm going to go into a lot of that stuff, um, I think, in my feature. Nice. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff they can pull from. And, and they've written some really, really genuinely funny dialogue. Like, I remember playing those games, you know, in my 20s. And, like, I'm, I'm 30. I'm about to be 32. Like... As an adult, I'm playing these games like laughing out loud and giggling to myself. Like some of it's great, and, and it's not potty humor. It's not like just stupid grunts and noises that you know you know illumination gets a little criticized for. It's yeah. actually like genuinely funny plays on words and and just good writing. You know you know yeah. you can just say that good writing. You know, and that's that's what it needs. It needs good writing. Um, all right. You know, all right. So now I want to, and I think Nintendo will allow that to happen. I hope their own people can be involved somehow in the writing. I'm sure the they will. Oh, 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 that yeah. I don't know if they'll have people on the team, but I think they're going to oversee everything because, like, like you said, they're very, very protective. Now, yeah, while we're like talking, <laughs> yeah, while we're talking Nintendo movies, I'm going to spring something on you, because yeah, right, yeah. So Mario is getting the you know the animated treatment. Zelda, let me ask you. Because I know that you know you love Zelda almost as much as I love Zelda. And by the way, I just started playing uh, the last Breath of the Wild again to check out all the new DLC. I've actually never checked it out with the DLC. 
Oh, um, wow. So I just got, I literally booted it up yesterday, got I downloaded all the updates, and I started it, and I'm terrified because I'm going to lose my life in there again. Um, yeah, oh, so good. Anyway. But, <laughs> but all right, so if they were to ever make a Zelda movie, would you want it to be like a live action Lord of the Rings style sword and sandals epic? And I even though there's no, you know, uh, sandals, uh, but you know what I mean? Or <laughs> right. would you like it to be an animated feature like Mario? Yeah, you know, um, well, there was a, I don't know if you remember, there was a rumor like maybe two years ago from like, I think Wall Street Journal that Nintendo was in talks with Netflix to create like a live action Zelda TV show that was described as like a family friendly Game of Thrones. And I was like, oh, that's like really interesting. But I'm like, I don't feel like a live adaption. Like if they don't put the right budget behind it, it's just never going to do it justice. So I, I think I almost would rather see an animated one. Um, some of the... You know, Zelda, like, you know, typically doesn't have, like, a realistic art style. Every game just has, like, a new, different, you know, fantasy, you know, style, you know, kind of look to it. And they, they change that and evolve that with every title. I, I kind of would want to see that. They could be more inventive with it on the screen. Um, and plus the, the games are known for, like, having this weird kookiness to it. There is, like, these, like, cartoony elements to it. Yeah. It is heavily rooted in Japanese anime and culture, and there's a lot of, like, just little funny things in there. And, like, I, you know, I feel like some of that stuff won't work in live action. That's part of the charm of Zelda and part of why I play it. So I think I'd rather see animated. Um, well, you know, if you guys look up on YouTube, you know, listening, I, I, don't, I don't know exactly what it's called, but if you look up, um, like, Legend of Zelda, like, CG animation, some – I forgot who, but one company – um, I wonder if it was Illumination, actually. Some company had put out, like, a proof of concept of an animated Zelda short. Um, it kind of had, like, a Wind Waker-ish, but not as cel-shaded mm. style to it. Yeah. And it was really well done. It was pretty cool. And I, I was like, I would I would watch that, you know, if they, if right. they turned that into something. You know what I would watch? Because, by the way, I, I agree with all your points, but I still want a proper live action. Who would I, my dream sort of situation for a Zelda movie especially with what I've been watching lately, is a Guillermo del Toro-directed Zelda movie. Oh, you take the fact yeah. and, and, and <laughs> you allow the man to really just cut loose on this mythology and use all of his beautiful visual storytelling. Remember, he was the one who was going to do the Hobbit movie. And he was That's already, right. you know, like he, he he's had he has it in him to want to deliver what, like a big fantasy epic uh, uh, that you know, like a Lord of the Rings type situation. Ultimately, he had to walk away because of different complications and creative differences. So let's have him bring that vision of his to Zelda. That is he's my also like, a video game player. He's a video exactly. game fan. Exactly. He's working I, with Kojima right now. That. Actually, yeah. He's open for who? He's working with Norman Reedus, who plays Daryl on The Walking Dead and from Boondock Saints, uh, and and Hideo Kojima, who's the creator behind the Metal Gear Solid series, um, and Guillermo del Toro are all working together on a game. <laughs> wow. Um, called Death Stranding. So there's a couple of trailers. The game's probably not going to be out for a while, um, but it's in development. And yeah, Guillermo's somehow involved. Norman Reedus is actually doing all of, like the dialogue, and, and it's his likeness and motion, you know, uh, capture um, for the game. And um, yeah, they're like all like buds. Yeah, it's like it's so, actually one of the coolest mixes of, of people you ever see in your life. <laughs> well, I got I got to check that out now. But you know, I'll show I'm you glad... some cool videos. Yeah, yeah, you will. 
But the fact that you mentioned that he's a gamer, and that's another thing that brought him to mind. Like, I feel like if you get this man, the Zelda IP, and just let him do what he does, I think it would be like a, a, a classic. I think I think we might have our first great live action video game movie if that were to happen. Yeah, if it was him, I mean, yeah. Um, and, and even the with the of, kookiness, even with the, some of the offbeat stuff, like if you, you yeah, know, you haven't seen the Shape of Water yet, but there are lots of these little like, where the hell did that come from? Little bits you know, of kooky, unique, standout moments. I feel like he would nail it. It would be epic. It would be fittingly creepy when it had to be when he's off dealing with you know the Bob goblins and all that sort of stuff. Um, oh, I would want him to do a Majora's mask adaptation. If he was to do it, I would just say, have him adapt Majora's mask story. Cause that is creepy and dark down. and yeah. fit his style. Perfect. And give us the Zelda show that we wanted. All right. That's um, it. I'm, I'm going to start like a petition. We need to get Del Toro to make a Zelda movie with it. That has to happen. Um, I'm hundred percent down for that. I'll add one more thing before we, we slide off the subject. Um, Shout out to Luigi's Mansion, that series, and specifically the second game, Luigi's Mansion 2, Dark Moon. Um, I don't know if you've seen uh, footage or played that game. It's for the Nintendo 3DS. The animation in that, on that little 3DS, is amazing. The game looks like a Pixar movie. It gets that good. And that was something, too, like when I, I heard the animation thing. I was like, I don't even know if you need to do a Mario movie. Do a Luigi's Mansion movie. It's basically like animated Ghostbusters with Luigi sucking up a ghost with a vacuum. It's hysterical. It's it's so well done. They they create the mood and atmosphere in the game so well, and it's it's essentially Ghostbusters. It really is. It's like it's a good Ghostbusters game. We don't have that. You know, I have a <laughs> I have a good feeling about what's going on with Nintendo. Remember, like a couple years ago. It was kind of rough being a Nintendo fan. You know, was everyone was rough. saying like, ah, they should just shut down on the hardware and just become a software company. You know, it just in general, the, Nintendo has kind of had its back against the ropes. And I feel like this sort of expansion can can actually not only make them number one again, but make sure they're viable for pretty much ever. And in terms of if they finally start crossing over into the multimedia realm, you got me thinking about like, you know, we got the movies. What if they made a Luigi's Mansion TV series for one of the animated networks, like, you know, Disney yeah, XD I mean, or, you know, or whatever, you know, one of those. We had those Super Mario shows. Remember when we were, when we were yeah. kids? We had oh, the, animated, the like, brothers, the brothers, the brothers. The yeah, brothers. Captain Albano uh, yeah. doing Mario. And then we also had um, – I don't know if you remember. There was actually a 3D animated Donkey Kong Country TV show. I do not remember that at all. Yes, yes. There was a 3D – like the animation had like no detail. It was like everything looked like plastic basically. But it went on for like a season or two with the Donkey Kong Country show. Like, So they, they've actually – dabbled in it you know none of them yeah. have been like but now like, is like if they really houses. make this this partnership with illumination and universal studios universal pictures a real thing where now they're ready to embrace you know the the, the multimedia element you got movies going you got tv series going I, i'm thinking about like a star fox series with duke killer an animated star oh fox my series God. well they did actually little anime shorts for the last star fox game on wii u well then expand they might still be that on YouTube. and turn it they're into awesome. a tv show you know what i mean like You're 
they're really good. And yeah. Like all of a sudden, it, it it becomes this awesome cycle where they're hooking in new audience members, and then when the game comes out, they're going, "Oh, I gotta check this out." Yeah. Then they have the built-in gamer audiences for these properties. They're going, "Oh, there's a show about this game. I should check that out." Like it's yeah. a perfect, you know, symbiotic relationship that they can have there. Give me so, a Zelda anime that would work. I mean, uh, Netflix also Netflix. I don't know if you've seen Mario. There's a Castlevania show on Netflix, an anime. Oh, you know, um, I have heard about that. Produced by Adi Shankar, yeah. Yes, and it's I liked it a lot. It was only four episodes last year, but the other eight episodes are coming out shortly. I think in another like month or two or something, um, they're coming out, and I, I really liked it. I thought they did a great job. It's a yeah. good ad- adaptation. It was fun. Well, if so, Nintendo I mean, can get, can get in on that with the you know TV series and getting hit movies made. I I mean I then we never have to worry about Nintendo again, Brent. We could finally take that off of our stress list. Nintendo would be just fine. Miyamoto's um, even directed a couple of Pikmin shorts, um, like little short films with Pikmin. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're 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 really coming out of their shell now. They're ready to like take the world by storm. Yes, they're like the the, the librarian who took the sun the, the glasses off and let down the hair, and now they're ready to go to the ball. It's exciting time to be a Nintendo fan. It yes. is an exciting time to be a Nintendo fan. Now, it's Once not, again, which feels so good. It feels so good. It feels so good. But, you know, it's not necessarily a good time to be a Red Dead Redemption fan while we're on this gaming camp bum, real bum, quick. Bum. Yeah, you know. And by the way, I don't know how you feel about it, Brett, but for me, Red Dead Redemption uh, is is in my top ten. I think about that game. so like Sometimes I haven't played it in like a year and I just wake up thinking about it and the music and the feel and the dialogue and John Marston's tale of redemption. And I just I have this weird emotional connection to that game where I just think about it perhaps way more than I should. Um, <laughs> by, by the way, did you play it? Do you do you know Red Dead Redemption? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, I actually didn't play it when it originally came out. Um, I don't know why. Like, I just didn't pick it up. Because you're a lizard. <laughs> But I, I had had Grand Theft Auto 4, so I liked those games. I just don't know why I never did it. So uh, a lot of years went by. Then I ended up borrowing it from one of my friends, and I played for a little bit. But I didn't, I didn't finish. I didn't play all the way through. I mean, it was it was awesome. It looked incredible. Um, you know, it had that GTA-style gameplay. Um, what they're showing of this new one looks, I mean, like, holy crap. <laughs> I mean, the engine they're using it is, like amazing the lighting but um yeah i mean honestly when they first announced the initial date it was supposed to come out like 2017 i was like yeah no way that's happening (laughs) then they of course they delayed it to spring and i was like even then still i was like yeah okay and then they were like okay now we're definitely gonna be october i think they said october 26th we are excited to announce that red dead redemption 2 will be released on october 26th 2018 we apologize to everyone disappointed by this delay while we had hoped to have the game out sooner we require a little extra time to polish no <laughs> i don't yeah. i don't want polish just give me a big janky western just guy <laughs> it can look like a sega genesis game i want this already so yes we're looking at you know but when all said and done it will have been a year that this game has been delayed you know, from end of 2017 to now, basically the end of 2018. Yeah, I don't and know I'm why they announced any time frame in the first place. I was like, come on, you guys know you're going to do Like, they always do this. They did it with GTA Five. also. They announced the date. I think they pushed that, like, twice also. It's like classic, classic Rockstar. Classic Rockstar, you know, just vintage. 
rock star. By the way, did you see that? Did you see uh, the Ant Man and the Wasp trailer? Oh yes. How good does that look? I I was a big fan of the first one, and it looked it looked great. They really um they put a big spotlight on the Wasp too in the trailer, which was really I thought was really cool. Yeah, yeah, but like this is another one where like I'm just I'm I'm left surprised in a in a, in a pleasant sort of way, you know. This movie looks like like they're they're kicking it up a notch. It it, it doesn't it, to me like when I saw the trailer for the first Ant Man, I'm like ah, this looks safe. This looks like I can tell you exactly how it's gonna go, and I, I, I'm not I'm not I, I just I was I it didn't move the needle for me when I saw it. Uh, trailer for the first ant-man this one this looks like whoa everything got upped it's much more intense and i i'm like i i'm dying to see it all of a sudden that's how good. i like that they're they're playing with like the really fun elements of that ant-man you know kind of his powers and stuff because you know one of my favorite parts in the first movie um was when like the, the final battle when they're fighting on like the thomas the tank engine on the train tracks and like all those little tiny toys were becoming like weapons you know yeah. because of the size difference and you know in this one you see like she throws like a pez out the window and it's like hello kitty one and then it grows i'm like that's great like embrace that because that's what made you know and the first movie i, I enjoyed it a lot it, it was a safe movie too and i agree with that i still will always just wonder what that edgar wright ant-man movie was going to be um it would have been probably more baby driver <laughs> than um yeah. you know marvel formula movie but i like i said ant-man still really really good um but yeah this one looks great they, they looks like they're they're focusing on the right elements that people liked um if you also notice they didn't show anything of michael pena in it and, and we know he's in this movie so yeah. i'm excited to like see a, what they yeah, have there was store. like a there was a tiny glimpse but yeah nut i thought they were going to sneak in some callback to that great shtick he's got but I guess they'll they'll save that. They'll save that. And and it's definitely going to be back, and uh, I'm okay with that because it was really, really good. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm telling you. It's... He, see, he stole, like, every scene he was in. He was phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. I'm going to move. There's no, there's no smooth way to segue from Ant-Man and the Wasp to Halloween, so we're just going to go for it. Uh, I don't know about you. Wasps are scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um you know, I don't know about you, but I'm a big Halloween fan. Uh, Michael Myers has always been my favorite masked slasher guy, uh, even including like Freddy Krueger, who's not masked slasher guy. I just he's always been my dude. So this Halloween reboot that's coming out, which isn't even really a reboot. It's actually a continuation of the original. Every time there's new information on it, I do backflips. Because, I don't know if you noticed, but the, the, there's a lot of fan service in this. They're really trying to take it back to the roots. David Gordon Green and Danny McBride really want to honor the 1978 original. So earlier in the week, Jamie Lee Curtis posted a picture from what was her first day on set, her first shot. And she mentioned that the director was using the same slate that John Carpenter used in 1978 on the original Halloween and you oh, that's know, cool. Yeah. And you've got this actor, Nick Castle, who was one of the men who wore the mask, who was Michael Myers, who back then was just known as The Shape. Back in 1978, he's back to do it again in this one. Um, and then they've got John Carpenter, who offered script notes, who's going to be scoring the film. And, you know, the creator of Halloween is returning to Halloween for the first time in 36 years. You know, I'm just 
way excited. Now, so before I get to these latest quotes from Mr. Carpenter about returning to Halloween, uh, do you have any affection for this series? I'm not the biggest horror fan. Um, I've, and then if I had to say, I'm a little more partial to uh, uh, Friday the 13th series and Jason. Um, but uh, yeah, love that. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I will see this. It sounds cool that they're kind of going back, you know, to the roots. I've seen, I, I've seen, uh, I don't think I've seen every single one, but I've seen a couple of the Halloweens. I, I like them fine. You know what I mean? So but uh, this is something I'll definitely original, check out. Did you see the original 1978 with Jamie Lee Curtis? Yes. Okay. So you can live. Um, I think I saw like the first three. Um, and I might've saw, and I saw like the Rob Zombie, I think reboot. Oh. See, my big issue with that, by the way, since you mentioned Friday the 13th and the Rob Zombie reboot, is that they basically turned Michael Myers into Jason. You know, like Michael Myers' thing was never that he was this big hulking brute. And, you know, that was always Jason's thing. Michael Myers was like the Pepe Le Pew of slashers because he always seemed to be walking <laughs> very calmly, very methodically. He would, he, he'd sneak up on you. He'd be that sort of fear where the person walks into the room and they put their keys down and they go over to the kitchen and you, the audience member, could see that white mask off in the distance standing in the corner watching the person and you want to shout, dude, he's right there, he's right there, run! Yeah, that That's the sort of fear Michael Myers is. He creeps up on you. And Rob Zombie turned him into this big Jason-type dude who breaks through walls and tackles people. And that, to me, just felt all kinds of wrong. I did not mean to go <laughs> off on this rant. Uh, but now let's go ahead and talk about John Carpenter, who thankfully is going to help bring this thing back onto the rails. Uh, when he was asked by Rotten Tomatoes uh, you know, what it, what it was like, what it took to bring him back to Halloween, he, wrote, he said, well, they asked me. You know, the rights went back to Miramax and Malik Akkad talked to me and he wanted me to do something. And then Jason Bloom, who's the biggest horror producer in Hollywood, talked to me. He was going to produce it. They were willing to pay me, which is always a good thing. So I said yes. And in the past, <laughs> he's brought up too, like, you know, he's never minded when they make, when they crank out a horrible Halloween movie. Because since he's the creator, he gets that check in the mail. Like he just, you know, he, he's very good about just being blunt and not being too precious about any of this stuff. Uh, doesn't seem to take himself all that seriously. But um, anyway, so he continued in this and he says, I talked about the Halloweens for a long time, the sequels. I haven't seen all of them. I don't even know what really was there, but finally it occurred to me. Well, if I'm just flapping my gums here talking about it, why don't I try to make it as good as I can? I could offer advice. I could talk to the director. I like the director very much. I like the script. So, you know, stop throwing rocks from the sidelines and get in there and try to do something positive. So I'm like, yes! You know, to me, it's like, this is amazing to go back to the guy who started it all and to get him to, like actively want to participate in creating this to me that just that's everything um and then you know he uh, in talking about what you know meeting with with mr gordon green and with danny mcbride he said they came over to my office we talked about what they wanted to do with halloween and i liked what they had to say so off we go so it seems like you know, they were all just on the same page he likes the script 
He likes where they're going with it. And then he adds, they they said they wanted me to do the music. So I said, well, okay, but I'm going to take my son and godson along with me on that one. So it looks like he will not be alone. He's bringing some extra hands on deck to score the thing. You know, it's one of my favorite bits of, of, of like um, Hollywood trivia, which is that the, the the infamous score of Halloween, which everyone can hum, and it's such a it's such a part of the lore, and it's so integral to any version of this character that's ever existed, was basically added at the very last second. Like apparently, you know, Carpenter. If you go back and watch the documentary on the making of the film, he either had very minimalistic scoring on the, on it, or hardly anything at all. And then when the studio gave him a note that, like, this thing could use a little more music, he kind of begrudgingly went on his piano and tinkered with it a little bit. And <laughs> all of a sudden, boom, we added this in with, like, two weeks before the, you know, the, the, they had picture lock or whatever. And that's it. And then th- that's how that score came to be. So That's amazing. Yeah. So anyway, so to have him back on board, I'm just, uh, like I said before, I'm doing backflips, Breddy. Um. But okay, we got one more story before we get into some other stuff. Um, yeah, there, there's this controversy right now with J.K. Rowling because uh, well, actually, I think it's more so aimed at director David Yates who answered a question about whether or not Albus Dumbledore's homosexuality was going to be addressed. And I'm sorry, I laugh because I can't believe that this became any kind of a thing. People are just... Uh, uh, here's what he was here's what he said when asked if it would be addressed all he said was not explicitly but i think all the fans are aware of that he had a very intense relationship with grindelwald when they were young men they fell in love with each other's ideas and ideology and each other now mind you he says not explicitly that doesn't mean not at all that just means that there's not going to be a line or something like it's outright said hey dumbledore you're a homosexual you know, right. Yeah. There's not going to be like a steamy like locker room scene. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just going to be like you'll see the at two men admiring each other. Maybe, you know, you'll have like some and, flashbacks to that or like whatever. The yeah, case, or you they'll know? just be it'll be subtext. It'll be in the performances. It'll be something that's alluded to without stated. Yeah, that's all really not explicitly means. But people bugged out about that, you know, but, but there's more to it, too, because he even added that it sounds like it could happen in a later film. He says, I can't tell you everything I would like to say because this is obviously a five-part story. So there's lots to unpack in that Dumbledore-Grindelwald relationship. So to me, this all sounds incredibly reasonable. He's not saying that we're going to ignore it. He's not saying that we're going to, you know, we're not going to say it because we're scared of what people would think. There's none of that sort of stuff. He just says right now, we're not going to explicitly state it, but it, you know, it should be understood and people just know it at this point. It's a given. And we're telling a long story here. So we, you know, we're going to unpack this thing as we go. And people flipped out all kinds of tweets, all kinds of out cries and backlash against Mr. Yates, against J.K. Rowling, who wrote the script and who's also the person who decided that Dumbledore is gay and they feel like she's kind of being too lenient here, that maybe, you know, instead of just talking about it, you should, you know, demonstrate it more, make it part of the storyline. They think she's hiding. So she finally just came out on her, the Twitter, and she wrote, 
uh, being sent abuse about an interview that didn't involve me, about a screenplay I wrote but which none of the angry people have read, which is part of a five-movie series that's only one installment in, is obviously tons of fun. But you know what's even more fun? And then she it's a gif of uh, Little Yari muting. So, so, she, so she mutes people when she sees this kind of kerfuffle. And you know what? I think that's uh, to- a totally apt response. You know, I, I don't I can't believe what what passes for controversy nowadays and that people get this riled up about statements as seemingly innocuous as what David Yates said. I mean, can you believe any of this? No, it it is. It's absurd. It's like they asked him a question and he said like no, basically. And he didn't he didn't say no, but like you know what I mean? Like he answered a question. That's all he did. It's not like you know, like you have to it is a sensitive subject. Like you have to be careful with like that stuff, you know. But you can't just like shoehorn that into a movie. Like you said, you can't just have like a line in there, like a throwaway line that's like, Oh yeah, and Dumbledore's a homosexual. Like it, it needs to be integrated into the story, it needs to be dealt with like the right way. So yeah, let, and, and it is a five-part series. Like, maybe one of the films is going to, like, dive very deep into that. Like, so people are just jumping the gun. Like, everyone just wants to, you know, get mad right off the bat. Like, it's like, like you know, like if it doesn't, if it doesn't says, pertain to the story, like, you don't need to pump it into the movie. You know what I mean? Like, if it's not going to serve the story, I then agree. it is just, like, throwing it in there. Listen, like just my wife says, sometimes you just got to take a pill and chill. Yeah. <laughs> people are just I like I, I don't you know it's it's absurd it, this shouldn't be controversial people need to move on uh but speaking of moving on i think you know we're done with news i just want to take a look at what's coming up a quick look at the weekend forecast in terms of movies that are opening and honestly it's a whole bunch of films i've never heard of so you know, the, the the film's going <laughs> into a larger than usual release this week there's one called Winchester uh, Winchester currently has no score on Rotten Tomatoes so it's not only not on my radar doesn't seem to be on anyone's radar um, <laughs> there's another one opening up called a fantastic woman una mujer fantastica apparently a uh, fantastic woman has an 89% it's got 61 reviews in it looks like a charming sort of indie film. Then there's this one called Bilal, A New Breed of Hero, got a 47%. We got Braven. It's got seven. I've never, I've heard of none of these. Did you say Braven? Braven, not Brazen. Braven has 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. And the other one is Before We Vanish, which uh, with 23 reviews currently, it's at 74%. Um... Unfortunately, since I know nothing about these films, I cannot suggest you see any of them. At this point, I would say that of the films that are out, things that you must see are, I would think, The Post. It's definitely the highest on my to-do list. So if I was going to go to the movies this week, I, th- that would be the movie I go out and see this weekend. Um, what about you, Brett? Did you, didn't you say you were going to go see uh, Hostels? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to see Hostels. I didn't get a chance to go this uh, week, but uh, okay. I think next week I will definitely uh, be checking that out. Now, let me ask you, 
Am I saying it right? Is it hostels or hostiles? How would you say that word? I, I think it's, I think it's hostels. I, I tend to want to say hostiles. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but I think it's hostels because hostiles sounds stupid when you say it, it out loud. But but I feel like I've heard it like that in in Call of Duty, where like hostile missiles. I don't know. You got you got to watch out for these hostiles. I don't, I don't yeah. know. I, I think I'm just gonna call them hostiles. Ho- hostels. How about uh, hostiles? I don't know what to call it, but um, so you didn't see it yet, so I can't ask you what you thought. So in terms of yeah. what's out, you know what I think? I think I'm going to see it, and then I'll tell you what I thought. So that's still number one on your to see list: host- hostiles. Yeah, I mean it's that, and then uh, basically Black Panther. I think, right? <laughs> all right, all right. Um, yeah, for me, I still need to see Jumanji, but for some reasons, I, I've been on this Spielberg kick, and I've been reading. Uh, Ready Player One and getting excited about that movie, and I've I've been in a Spielberg state of mind for like several weeks now. Really, the post is actually higher up on my to do list than Jumanji. Uh, although it looks like you know I'm gonna have plenty of time to see both because Post is writing you know the Academy Awards season, and Jumanji is just on a monster run, so it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, in terms of box office projections, I'm not even going to bother looking at what the analysts are saying. Based on the fact that there's nothing major going into wide release, I have a feeling we're going to see like roughly the same top two. You know, I think Maze Runner is going to repeat at number one. Jumanji will come in in second place. Where I see some funny business happening is I think, you know, Hostiles was in third place last weekend. Hostiles? Uh, I have a feeling it may drop to fourth and Greatest Showman, which is currently in fourth, will come into third place because that Hugh Jackman musical keeps out keeps on overperforming. It's it, people are sleeping on it, but that movie is doing very, very well and it's got incredible legs. So I have a feeling that on Monday when the dust settles, the top three will be Maze Runner, Jumanji, The Greatest Showman, followed by Hostiles, hostels. Uh, so we'll find out if I'm right about that on next week's Revenges podcast. But um, now, Brett, before we wrap up, I you know I I I have this weekly tradition where I recommend a film to my listeners. And being that this is your first time on El Fanboy, and probably your last because you were a terrible co-host, um, <laughs> I wanted to see if you. I wanted to bestow upon you the honor. Give. My listeners, your recommended viewing for this week. Um, yeah, this week, check out a movie called Swiss Army Man. What? Um, it's, yes, Swiss <laughs> Army Man. Um, Do I have to it, check it out? You should check it out, actually, yeah. All right, it's, a, it's a very quirky, uh, offbeat kind of movie. Um, it stars Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe. Um and uh, what's her face is in it too? I don't even remember her name now. Oh, it's the girl. What's her face? Um, no, nah, from Scott Pilgrim, uh, and she played Fiona or whatever, Ramona, um, Elizabeth. I think I know what you mean. She was just Wasn't in Fargo. Was she also in a Die Hard three. movie? Maybe. I know who. Win- you Elizabeth Winstead. There yes, you go. Elizabeth Winstead. Okay. Um. So yeah. So uh, I'll give you like a basic premise for the movie paul dano is like stranded on an island and uh, a dead body washes up that happens to be daniel radcliffe's body he's not playing daniel radcliffe though he's just like a body. <laughs> i mean um, that, not, that would be not a playing good movie dead daniel radcliffe that'd be amazing um, <laughs> would be very being john malkovich i like i like the pitch meeting so in my movie daniel radcliffe's real body washes up under shore 
It's dead Daniel Radcliffe. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, so dead Daniel uh, washes up, and then, uh, yeah, um, some uh, interesting, like, stuff happens, and, like... So, Swiss Army Man, everyone, that is your El Fanboy recommendation for this week. And there is one last bit of business. There was someone who sent in a topic for us to tackle on this week's Revengers that I feel like, we, since we didn't get around to a Revengers episode, let's handle it here. He yeah. wanted to point out about the, the, decent, the decentralization of streaming content, uh, because all the studios are making their own, like, Apps, you know, Disney's making their own streaming app. WB, CBS has their their direct one now with Star Trek on it and the the Good Fight and all that sort of good stuff. So, you know, uh, listener Revenger, I want to call him Revenger at Last Father of KR, or as his username states, Dead L. Uh, he asked, "Can they all survive? Will customers really pay for multiple services?" Will Netflix and Hulu focus even more on original content? Um, you see, that I, I don't know because I feel like I initially take a hard stance on having multiple services. To me, it seems like this doesn't make sense. I'm already paying for cable. I've already got Netflix. I'm paying for HBO and Showtime. I'm not going to have any others. But then I get Amazon Prime bundled in because my wife has Amazon Prime. And then out of the blue, we signed up for Hulu for the one-month free trial. And here we are seven months later. So I keep somehow ending up with more and more of these streaming services. So I wonder if not if I'm not an anomaly. I wonder if more people are willing to have more of these services than I initially gave credit for. But anyway, what do you make of any of this, Mr. Mr. Miro? Well, it's like I can't believe this happened because the whole thing was, you know, the cable companies, you know, you'd get your cable package and you'd have to like upgrade your package to get HBO or pay extra for Showtime and then add stars, add, you know, epics, whatever, all these you know, there's a million channels now. So you'd have to keep adding them on. So like eventually your, your cable bill was insane because you had to do all these add-ons for that. So then people started, you know, Netflix started, you know, doing that as an alternative. Hey, do this instead. You know, we're getting into that, you know, cord cutter mentality. Um, I've, I've done it. I don't do, you know, regular cable uh, where I live. But um, now what's happening though is that each of these um, channels and networks are now branching off into these separate individual streaming apps now. So now it's becoming the same thing on the cord cutting side. I now have to add all these packages if I want to see everything, you know, and it might only be like one show that I want to see out of that whole network, but you know, once a season, but now I have to buy. Do this you month think to it's a thing. roundabout way by for them to get you back into cable? <laughs> Do you think they get anything out of that? They're like, yes, yeah, they think they, they've avoided cable because now they, you know, they, they can do it a la carte TV. But now if we make it so that they have to pay so much that it's not even cost effective to not have cable anymore, they'll get cable again. Is it all a conspiracy? It's a good theory, but I mean, I, you know, the reason obviously they're doing it is because um, they now get that money directly. Like HBO doesn't have to split that with, you know, a, you know, out, you know, Time Warner or Optimum, Cablevision or yeah. Verizon. Like they don't have to split that. There's all those licensing fees. I don't know how that all works, but you know how they're always like, you know, we don't carry this channel anymore because like they didn't cut some deal on the back end, yeah. you know, yeah. going to pay you. So it avoids that now. But now, now it's just I have to add all these. So I don't know. I think yeah, people. 
it's going to depend on the person, I guess. If some people are going to just say, hey, yeah, you know, I like all these shows. I'm just going to order all these streaming services. But, you know, for me, I'm just going to pick the, the ones I really, really want. You know what I mean? And I'm yeah. trying to keep low because I'm already – I'm still – I don't have cable vision, um, you know, out on Long Island, Optimum. I don't I, – I just use the internet uh, where I live. So – but just for the internet, I pay like – like 90 bucks. I think I have like the 200 meg internet. You know, it's like the, like almost. Oh, like, excuse almost, me. Yeah. Well, it's almost the fastest because I'm, I'm a psycho and I'm like, upgrade that stuff. <laughs> so it's like $90 just for the internet. And then we actually have Sling. We do the streaming TV. And it's mostly just because, you know, uh, my girlfriend, like, she likes to, you know, watch TV. She likes live TV. She likes to have it on in the background. She likes it when she's going to bed. And she, you know, likes to watch some of those, like, those, you know, you know, silly lifestyle shows and stuff yeah. like that. So it's it's uh, that's the only reason really we have it. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't carry it. And I already have Netflix and Amazon Prime. So, but between those, I mean, I'm paying probably Sling like fifty dollars a month too. So I'm probably paying like a hundred, thirty, hundred forty a month anyway. And that's wow. probably what I would pay for cable with like you know the the basic package. So yeah. I don't really know if it's it's it's, it's it's definitely I don't know. It, it, I feel like it's de incentivizing the cord cutting. Because it is. It certainly is. You but know, but then so, again, but then if they start producing more and more original content that you can only get on the app, I'm like, wow, they're really going to back us into a corner. You know, it, it's no. Then they will, yeah. Because I mean, like Netflix, you know, and Hulu's one thing, but you know, if like, I mean, HBO also has so many fantastic shows. You know, yeah. but yeah, if they all start having that now, it's like, oh, now I have like to I was get thinking it. about that. Like, I'm not a Star Trek fan, but if I was a hardcore Star Trek fan, I'd be at a crossroads right now because I can't see Discovery unless I have CBS All Access. So yeah, and I don't think I have CBS with Sling. I don't think they they signed with Sling to like yeah. have that channel. And, and that, I actually, I actually kind of want to watch that show. <laughs> yeah, well, and I'm glad you brought that. That brings us to sort of part B of this topic which is original content because, you know, Star Trek is not going to go to Netflix or any other, uh, you know, uh, domestically here. It's not going to be going to any of those things. Um, and CBS in general is going to make itself less available to outside streaming things like you just said, like on Sling. So you got to imagine soon there'll be no CBS shows on Netflix. Soon there'll be no NBC shows on Netflix because all these apps and things are going to want to have it. So like this is our stuff. You can only get it here. Yeah. And that shows that Netflix has been ahead of the curve for a while because they've been trying to get away from showing other people's stuff for a while anyway. You know, they've been investing. I mean, the, the, one of the recent reports was like they were going to spend $8 billion on, uh, on original content this year. You know, they're going nuts with this, and now it it it's it doesn't seem like that big of a gamble. Now it seems like, oh, wow, they, they knew that this was coming. They knew the day was going to come where Disney all their, was going to pull that and all their Marvel stuff from their networks. They knew the day was going to come where they could not rely on basically just being a place for reruns. They were going to have to get out in front of it and give you killer reasons to have to get it, because I can only get this stuff on Netflix. Um so you know, to, so to answer your question, Dad L, uh, you know, I do think Netflix is going to continue to put a premium on the original content. It looks like, you know, Hulu's already trying to go in and they're with, with the Handmaid's Tale, and you know, it looks like is it Hulu or Amazon who's doing the Lord of the Rings TV series? I think it's Amazon. I think you're right. So yeah, you know, the, the these these uh, these more sort of broad streaming services like Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu, they're going to have to rely on original content sooner rather than later. That that's one of the big 
side effects that's going to come here with all of these new things. So I don't know. It's it's really sort of I don't like the territory we're heading in. I don't like the idea that I, I like to me, I, it makes me not even want to bother. For me, it's hard enough already to get me to sit down and watch TV. If I can't just flip between NBC and CBS and see what's on, and I actually have to like open an app and search for a yeah. CBS series like that, that. That's just too much effort. Even that is too much effort. <laughs> well, listen, you know what? What's going to happen is they're going to make it so complicated and annoying. It's going to push people to, uh, you know, get their entertainment by other means, if you know what I mean. Um, and you know, then they're going to like really get hurt in the wallet, you know? <laughs> oh, I see. I, I, for a second there, I'm like, that sounded very lascivious. Oh no, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> the way you said it. I mean like people are going to start doing like, you know, hacked fire sticks and stuff like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? People are going to start going to that and then not paying anybody anything, you know? <laughs> My mind went to really dark places. You're but, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where. Anyway, so I think, uh, I think we've thoroughly tackled this topic. So, th- Dad L, thank you for for sending it in, uh, last father, last father of Kr. Yeah, thank um, you. And listen, everyone, you know, feel free to send in topics for the Revengers. Uh, that's going to be. Why don't you tell them where they could find the Revengers, Brett? Um, normally, that'll be up every Tuesday. Um, <laughs> the Revengers podcast uh, with our other co-host uh, Vanessa Bontea. And, um, yeah, you'll find that at revengeofthefans.com and your favorite podcast services, including Apple, um, something with beans, Podbean, <laughs> Podbean. Podbean. I didn't even heard of that. You told me that. Tune um, in. Stitcher, TuneIn, and somewhere else one day. That's That sounded nice. I like the way you said that. And somewhere else one day. There was a glimmer of hope in that. Yeah, I like to, I like to leave that, that hope, you know? Yeah. Oh, and you know, I have one last bit of business. I've gotten another review, and I, I have to read it on the air. I, I always promise you guys, if you send me reviews, I will read them out loud. I'll give you a shout-out, and I will thank you from the bottom of my heart. And, you know, this one was just one of those where, again, I read it, and I go pale. I'm humbled, and I I don't... I get a little... Um, uh, I'm not going to go there right now, but... Here's the review. Uh, it's from Apple user MacFisto96. He titled the review Fun, Entertaining, and Informative, and he gave it five stars. He said, Have to give a shout-out to the Batman on Film guys for opening up the world of El Fanboy podcast to me. Over the past couple of months, I have greatly enjoyed Mario's takes, guests the mark miller episode was epic and the discussion of the cinematic universe i don't always agree but there's nothing wrong with that the deep passion for film really comes out in every show and is discussed with enthusiasm just listening charges me up and makes me more enthusiastic as well if you love films give el fanboy a listen if you love comics give el fanboy a listen you'll be grateful you did Mario produces one of the best and most engaging entertainment podcasts around. The only ones I enjoy more are Ancient History Podcasts because I'm that kind of nerd, too. Uh, wow. Uh, MacFisto, who I know you uh, revealed yourself. Jeffrey, Jeff, uh, thank you so much for writing that. I mean, I can't even tell you what it means to read that and to know that anyone out there feels that way about this little show. 
I've been, I just, you know, I put together for you guys, which by the way, I, it snuck up on me. We're going to hit the year mark very soon. The anniversary of El Fanboy is always going to be linked to Valentine's Day, coincidentally. So, uh, yeah, we're going to hit the one year mark and I, I'm thinking about ways to make that episode extra special and, to, and to give you guys, a, you know, uh, all the appreciation I can for all the support because without you guys, there'd be no El Fanboy. Without El Fanboy, there wouldn't be Revenge of the Fans. Without Revenge of the Fans, there wouldn't be the Revengers podcast. This whole adventure would not be here if you guys hadn't spent this last year uh, making this into something. So thank you, and thank you, Brett, for joining me as this consolation prize for no Revengers this week. Thank you again. Really appreciate uh, you letting me be on your show. Yeah, and uh, I look forward to speaking to everyone again uh, next week on The Avengers. Yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, until next week, adios. <laughs>